We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the LakersNation.com podcast and the RaptorsNation.com podcast. We're doing a little, a little combined show here to preview Lakers versus Raptors tonight. I'll talk a little bit about that game. We'll also talk uh, a little bit about the mailbag. I'm going to get into that for the Lakers Nation portion of the show to finish things off. But my very special guest from Raptors Nation, it's Luca Rosano. Luca, how are you doing? Trevor, I'm doing great. A lot better now that the Raptors are seemingly starting to hit a bit of a stride. So yeah, I, I'm a lot better than I was last week. That's for sure. <laughs> Lakers fans are throwing their hands up saying, of course, the Raptors are hitting us their stride right before they're going to they're gonna play the Lakers. Um, Luca, by the way, for anybody who doesn't know, if you're over watching on Lakers Nation right now, Luca heads up Raptors Nation. You guys can check out uh, YouTube.com slash Raptors Nation com. That's one of our, our sister sites or sister channels. Lakers fans, if you haven't done so yet, do me a favor. Go follow that channel. Go hit the subscribe button on, on their channel. Help us out as we're looking to grow that out. Luca does a phenomenal job over there. Even if you're not a Raptors fan, I guarantee you there's going to be stuff that you're going to like over there at Raptors Nation. Also, RaptorsNation.com, the website, uh, is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Luca, you guys have had uh, a little bit of fun here. You've got the big trade, the big trade so far of the season. Are you are you happy with it? Are you missing OG Ananobi? Where are you at right now? I'm not going to lie, Trevor, it was tough to see OG go. He was one of my favorite Raptors, being with the team for seven seasons, watching him grow as a player. Obviously, the Raptors drafted him. But I absolutely loved the trade, and I am so loving it right now. And I, I think we're going to look back at that trade and you know call it a win-win for both teams because you look at what OG has been doing with the Knicks. Knicks are undefeated mm -hmm. with him at the time of this recording. He's been really making an impact for that team on the defensive end. He's been a seamless fit with Randall and Brunson. But then you look at what the Raptors got back, exactly what they needed. You know, two young pieces with tremendous upside that you can now build with Scotty Barnes going into the future. Two guys who immediately got slated into the starting lineup who have been making immediate impacts on this team. I mean, RJ had 37 the other day against Golden State. That was the best he's looked in a while. Uh, yeah. He started red hot. You know, he hit five threes in that one. Really just imposing his will in the pain warriors had no answers for him and then you look at emmanuel quickly he had his standal game in a win against the grizzlies i call him the raptors future franchise point guard you know he has all the uh the attributes that you want to see in a young point guard his skill set is unbelievably uh you know solid to watch and he just gives me tyrese maxi vibes obviously there's a 
you know, there's going to be ways to go until he gets to that level, but just the way that he's able to generate offense hits the three, really giving that Raptor, this Raptors team, a breath of fresh air of a guard, a dynamic guard who can create. So yeah, it's been really good so far, Trevor, the new look Raptors are three and one could have been four and oh, it was a very competitive loss against the Kings, but both of these guys have just been seamless fits. And, you know, the future certainly looks a lot brighter today for the Raptors than it did, like I said, last week. They, they've been absolutely killing it. It's one of those trades where instantly when it came out, you had a lot of people on either side saying, oh, this team won the trade or that team won the trade. But I think you're right. I think this could be a win-win. And that was my initial gut reaction was, wow, this I think this is a win-win for both teams, as rare as that is. And in this day and age, we're so dead set on we have to say which team won. I, I thought it was a win-win, and so far it's been great for the Raptors. Um, for for the Lakers fans out there that aren't watching a ton of Raptors basketball, now that this trade has happened, and it's only been, what, about a week since the trade actually went down, uh, what has changed about the Raptors and the way they play basketball now compared to what we saw out of them earlier in the season? Well, their offense has been a lot better. You know, in the last 15 games, it has been drastically better to when they started the season. But, you know, adding a guy like Barrett in quickly, just the ball movement has been better. They had 35 assists the, uh, assist the other night. Uh, the flow has been much better. And, you know, now you got a situation where the Raptors have multiple guys who can handle the basketball. So, you know, we are seeing lineups with the Raptors where they have two, three guys who can facilitate, who can play make, you know, having a guy like RJ now who can create his offense. That, that was something that was desperately missing with this Raptors team for as great of a player. OG was for the Raptors. He didn't necessarily look for his offense as he was more of the engine of the Raptors defense. But now you have a guy like RJ. He's constantly trying to get to the rack, being aggressive, trying to get to the free throw line. The Raptors have benefited from that. And then you got Emmanuel quickly. The Raptors have, tremendously benefited from his shooting. This was a Raptors team that yeah. for the longest time they were starting Dennis Schroeder, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him. Yeah, at starting point guard, And it wasn't working well. But now, because the Raptors have two solid starters and quickly in Barrett that are nice puzzle pieces to Siakam, Barnes, Jakob Pertl, Dennis Schroeder comes from off the bench, and the Raptors bench has been so much more better. And we saw it in the win over the Warriors that, you know, Dennis Schroeder now is coming into his own as being that leader of the second unit. He's been playing well alongside guys like Gary Trent Jr., Chris Boucher. So it just added a lot more balance and stabilization to this team, Trevor, that now the Raptors actually look like a much more complete team than they did just a few weeks ago of having the pieces fit in nicely. And the starters have just gelled very well because now the Raptors have multiple guys who can score uh, and go off for, you know, 20 plus points a night. And, you know, Scotty Barnes, Siakam, RJ, Quickly, even Schroeder mm -hmm. has really been elevating his game since coming from off the bench. So the offense has been a lot better. One area that's kind of taken a step back, obviously losing a guy in OG has been the defense, but the Raptors defensive effort against the Warriors in that first half was just great. I mean, they really, really did a good job. So hopefully, uh, for the Raptors' sake, you know, that defensive effort continues. But the offense has just been night and day compared to what it was. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this offense looks against the Lakers. You know, one of the things we'll keep an eye on for tonight's game is is the Lakers, since the in-season tournament win, 
they've been really struggling with teams that shoot a lot of threes. They uh, Last I checked, this was before the Clippers game, they ranked 28th in the NBA since the in-season tournament in three-point percentage against them. So their opponents were shooting 42% from three on average since the in-season tournament. Obviously, that number will have shifted slightly since the Clippers game. But I look here, and the Raptors, since the trade, and that's obviously a fairly small sample size. We're talking about four games. But the Raptors are shooting 41% from deep since the trade that right there is a going to be a key part of this matchup can the raptors continue to shoot at that high of a rate or maybe it doesn't even need to be that high but if they're 37 38 percent um from deep that's going to be i think an, an important part of this matchup um they're not necessarily a high volume three-point shooting team from what we've seen uh so far from them but if they're knocking them down at that level that could create some real really Really tough issues for the Lakers' defense to to handle because that's been a weak point for them so far this season. Well, it's funny too. The Raptors have been one of the best uh, offensive teams in the league since the trade. So it just goes to show how quickly right. and Barrett have just uplifted this offense. And you know, the Raptors were one of the worst three point shooting teams at the start of the season. Uh, and yeah, now maybe they're starting to build a bit of momentum. I wouldn't say they're still. You know, they're still not quite there yet in terms of where I would like to see them in terms sure. of shooting the three ball, but you know, they're coming off a game against the warriors where they shot at 45% from three. That was one of the better three point shooting performances they had all season. And they really had, you know, the warriors just on the ropes with their ability to hit shots early, hit the three. And it came from a guy like RJ, who, like I said, was unconscious from the field. So whenever you have RJ, who it has been a pleasant surprise, I'm not going to lie, who has consistently been hitting the three since this time with the Raptors and then quickly. I mean, he can just reel off a couple of threes at moment's notice. Uh, it's it's definitely helped this Raptors shooting um, as a whole. All right, so another area we're going to need to keep an eye on here when we're looking at the injury report. So the Lakers yeah. last night got some pretty good news on Rui Hachimura. He got upgraded to doubtful. Now, sometimes what happens in that situation is a player gets upgraded to doubtful the day before the game. The day of the game, when the next injury report comes out, that player will be upgraded to questionable, and then they wind up playing. I'm not saying for sure that's what's going to happen with Rui Hachimura. It's still more likely than not that he doesn't play dealing with that calf strain, but that's a significant step forward for him. Hasn't played in the last few games. Uh, LeBron right now is questionable, but LeBron is questionable for every single game always, so I'm not going to read too much into that. On the other side, though, Jakob Pertl is going to be out. Now, I didn't see the play, but apparently he stepped on Pascal Siakam's foot uh, and, and rolled his ankle, and now he's going to be out of action. Uh, first of all, how how bad of an injury is this? And then how big of an issue is this for the Raptors to not have Pirtle and you're dealing with Anthony Davis? The, the, yeah, and I'm, I'm really glad you brought this up. Just absolutely huge loss for the Raptors. You know, not going to have Pirtle in this one. I'm thinking he might not even suit up in the game against the Clippers because this is the first night of a – uh, back-to-back set for the Raptors and oh, it rest him against the Lakers. He can play against the Clippers. That's that's fine. No problem. <laughs> it looked pretty bad though, Trevor. And I was actually surprised he stayed in the game. He did not come out, but initially looking at it, coming down, rolling his ankle on Siakam's foot. It was one of those things where it's like, you know, please get up, please get up. Cause obviously a guy of his size, whenever mm -hmm. you have a freak accident like that, it's going to do a lot of damage. But yeah, like I said, he was able to play through the pain, play through it, but this is not, surprising to me that he has been ruled out for this and 
it's going to be tough for the Raptors to overcome this because they already have a very thin front core. You know, in that trade, going back to the OG and Anobi trade, trading away Precious Achua made their front core depth even more thin. You don't have Jakob Pertl now. Christian Coloco has been out indefinitely with respiratory issues. We have not seen them yet on the Raptors side. So now you're looking at a Raptors team that, in all likelihood, I don't think they're going to go with a small ball lineup and start Gary Trent Jr. So you're looking at Chris Boucher starting mm. for the Raptors. He did have a nice game uh, in his uh, last outing, 17 points on a perfect 7 of 7 shooting against the Warriors. But Boucher's not your traditional center. And then that's going to just leave Porter as uh, the Raptors' real backup front court player in this matchup. And he is still trying to get... Um, you know, familiarize with this Raptors team. He's on a two-way deal. He's only played in a few games. Although he's impressed me in his limited action with the Raptors, it's going to be a tough situation. Because like you said, Trevor, it's not like they're going up against just anybody. Anthony Davis has an opportunity to absolutely pulverize the Raptors inside because of their lack of front court depth right now. And that's Jonte Porter, who's a who's the only other center designated player on the on the roster without Jakob Pertl, who's uh, playing a ton of minutes right now for the Raptors. That that is indeed uh, a big big loss um, from the Lakers side. I think what what do Lakers fans need to be worried about from from this Raptors team in terms of, in terms of the matchup? If if Jakob Pertl is is out and he is out, um, what should we be watching for? Like, what would success look like for the Raptors? How are they gonna gonna generate? offense and defense here. Yeah, well, I think what's really worked for the Raptors is just their ability to move the ball and get good looks. You know, when you look at some of these recent wins, they've really racked up the assists, 35 assists in that win against the Warriors. And RJ Barrett has really been that guy who has been able to intact the interior. So if you can kind of set the tone and, you know, really attack inside that will alleviate a lot of the pressure off some other guys who I think are definitely gonna have to step up in this matchup Pascal Siakam historically has always played good you know on these West Coast trips they're gonna need a big game from him and Scotty Barnes he did a really good job defensively um against Stephen Curry getting that mm -hmm. matchup so I'll be interested to see who he matches up against in this one and can he get his offense going because he actually didn't register a three and, uh, you know, he had a, a long streak this season in which he had at least one three-pointer made. So, Scotty, I think, is going to be due for a bounce-back game here. And then, really, the bench. I think, you know, Dennis Schroeder with Gary Trent Jr., you know, those guys are really going to have to do some heavy lifting because if Boucher starts, the Raptors are going to be even thinner with their bench. So, they're going to need to be able to space the floor and hit shots. And I, I think where the Raptors can really you know, look to exploit the Lakers again, attacking inside with RJ and will they be able to continue their good shooting and, you know, get great three point production. Can Scotty bounce back from three? Can RJ have another efficient night from three? And then Emmanuel quickly was pretty quiet offensively. He did have 10 assists the other night, but he's capable of being the spark plug. So I think if the Raptors are going to win this game again, they got to get off to a good start as they did against the Warriors and they're going to have to move the ball well, and they're going to have to hit shots because they're going to be thin going into this game, and it's going to be a grind trying to stop AD inside. Yeah, uh, quickly already had a pretty good game against the Lakers when he was with the Knicks, and, and the Knicks beat the Lakers. So um, he's a guy that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. But before we move over to, to your side of things here, what I got to check in on my guy, Dennis Schroeder, our old friend. Uh, how's how's he doing? I am I got to admit, I'm terrified. Because he seemed to relish playing against 
uh, his his former teammate Austin Reeves when Team USA was playing Germany and he lit up Team USA. And I'm worried that he's going to do the same thing coming off the bench uh, in tonight's game. It's funny when you uh, invited me on to do this show, that's actually the first thought that popped into my mind. I'm like, this is so going to be a Dennis Schroeder revenge game because that's his character, right? Like you can tell he's going to relish this opportunity to go into LA play against his former team and just, you know, try to make them pay in every aspect. But Dennis Schroeder, honestly, there was a point in the season, like it was starting to unravel for him in the worst way possible. Like, it's funny. He got off to such a great start with the Raptors as a starting point guard. Then you started to see, the issues arise where he was being a little bit selfish, you know, looking for his offense over guys like Barnes and Siakam, who should, the Raptors should have played through a lot more. And then finally, Darko Ryakovich did make the right move. And you could tell there's obviously a close relationship there of bringing Shooter from off the bench. And since that has happened, I mean, that has just been an amazing move, even before the trade of bringing Shooter from off the bench, because he has really just adopted this mentality, the leadership role of leading the second unit. And you look at some of the numbers he's put up since coming from off the bench, you know, the assist numbers have been there. Um, Against Memphis, he had 16 points, seven rebounds, five assists. He had 18 against the Kings. He was the reason why the Raptors came back against the Kings, by the way, because of that, you know, him leading the second unit and really doing a good job. So even if he's not going to hit the three ball, you guys know, obviously that's not his strong suit. He's no. been a good uh, he's he's been doing a good job of just attacking, making things happen and just being aggressive towards the rim and you could just tell he's got a new sense of confidence, newfound energy and he's really done a good job either leading that second unit or also being integrated in what Darko has been running lately and that is a smaller backcourt lineup where it's he and quickly and they kind of go with the two smaller guards mm. and that has been a, a good operation in the in the minutes that we've seen. So I think Schroeder is going to be obviously a huge X factor in this game, being the Raptors' sixth man and trying to make something work. Yeah, I mean he's he's averaging thirty four point eight percent from three. I can tell you from the Lakers side, they would they would take that all day, all day, <laughs> given some of the the three point shooters they've seen. I mean this is uh, like we always joke about the Lakers curse that three point shooters their shooting powers just evaporate whenever they become a Laker. We talk about Mike Muscala and Reggie Bullock and Malik Beasley and players like that. Uh, Schroeder thirty two point nine percent for the Lakers last season, two point two percentage points higher with the Raptors this season. Shoot forty five percent from the field was just 41.5% for the Lakers the season before. Assists are up 14.5 points per game, although, again, his role has shifted quite a bit. So some of these numbers were as a starter. Some of these are coming in, you know, uh, coming off the bench. But he's a guy, too. Like you said, the Raptors now have a lot of guys that you have to worry about. Hey, could this guy have a game tonight? Could that guy have a game? There's so many different guys that can get going, and you never know on any given night who it's going to be. Uh, Luca, why don't we turn this thing around, though? What do you, what do you know, need to know from the Raptors side of things about my Lakers? Yeah, that's going to be uh it's going to yeah, that's a very interesting question. I mean, first of all, who who do you think's going to, you know, get the who do you think's going to get the assignment of uh, Scotty Barnes? Who do you think Scotty is going to go up against and try so, to slow down? You know, I'm when I'm looking at this, I I think that Pirtle being out kind of throws a wrench into into everything, right? Because you, you're going to put, yeah, you wind up putting Boucher or something on Anthony Davis, but the reality is a lot of guys are going to have to, are going to have to help there. They're, they're going to need to help. So I would have to imagine that 
that Siakam is going to match up with LeBron defensively. And then that leaves you with Scotty Barnes and you can put him on the next biggest threat. Assuming Austin Reeves is still in the starting lineup. It almost wouldn't shock me if because the Lakers have been starting with guys like Cam Reddish, guys like like Torian Prince is a good three-point shooter, but that's not a bad guy to just stash R.J. Barrett on. Uh, quickly can actually defend Cam Reddish just fine because Cam offensively, it's well, it's an adventure. So it almost wouldn't surprise me if the Raptors just use Scotty Barnes to use his length to put a bunch of pressure on Austin Reeves handling the basketball and yeah. do what they can in order to prevent him from getting them into early offense with the only caveat being they could also use him as a helper. If you want, if you would rather have Barnes as your helper off of a guy like Cam Reddish, then you could go the other way there. And you could just kind of ignore Cam Reddish on the offensive end and have Barnes be your secondary guy that comes over to help out or Siakam coming over to help out if you want to go with Barnes on LeBron. So it's going to be really interesting to see how the Raptors match up because I think there's a lot of different ways that they could that they could really play this. Yeah, and it, you know, Scotty Barnes, he did just he, he helped effectively shut down Curry. I mean, I've never seen yeah. Stephen Curry have that bad of a game in his career. He did not hit a three. He was 0 of 9. So, 9 you know, points for Steph. Like when has that happened, right? right? So, Scotty Barnes, you know, he's just been a nightmare defensively even though his offense has been kind of slow. That's something that I'm really interested to see and I guess I wa- I'm curious, how is the Lakers' paint protection? Because that's an area where the Raptors have absolutely feasted, and that is points in the paint. And that was the reason why they got out and absolutely bullied the Warriors to start, because they just got whatever they want in the paint, especially um, from the paint and also in the mid-range, because the Warriors were the worst team, I believe, guarding the mid-range entering uh, the, the matchup from the other night. So mm-hmm. mid-range, but especially that painted area, obviously you got RJ now who just elevates the Raptors' ability to attack. But there's another guy. He's been in a lot of trade rumors lately, but Pascal Siakam, he does mostly all of his damage inside the paint, especially when his three ball wasn't uh, connecting. So the Lakers on the season ranked 10th in opponents' points in the paint. And I think the big question is, how are you generating those points in the paint? That's that's really what the key is here because there's a couple of different ways that you can generate points in the paint, particularly with if you're getting into fast break situations. If the Raptors defense is able to turn the Lakers over, uh, if they're able to uh, get out and run in transition, they're able to get misses from the Lakers, then they're able to rebound and go. That's how you can get points in the paint in transition. And you're going to have, obviously, transition basketball is much more valuable than half-court basketball anyway, but you're going to be especially effective if you can beat Anthony Davis down the floor. That's what we're seeing a lot of teams do when Anthony Davis is behind in a play, if he goes for an offensive rebound and he doesn't get it, something like that happens. He goes to shoot a layup and, and the momentum carries him off the floor. Teams are racing down the court as quick as they can to enjoy the experience of going at the Lakers defense without Anthony Davis in the paint. So that's how you can generate points in the paint is attacking the Lakers defense before they get set. When they're set in the half court, that's a lot different. Now, one of the things the Lakers have been doing Uh, when Anthony Davis is not in, is now they've turned to Christian Wood as the backup. It was Jackson Hayes. That did not work out at all. So now we're starting to see Christian Wood back into the mix. Should Rui Hachimura play in this one? Maybe that shifts around some of the minutes, some of the rotations and things of that nature. But Christian Wood has been better than I would have thought he would be in terms of his rebounding, in terms of his rim protection, but it's still a pretty big drop-off 
when Anthony Davis is not on the floor. So that's where I could see the Raptors really being successful there. Um, the other area, and this would be more of a Yaka Pirtle thing if he was in this game, is when you can get quick guards to penetrate from the, the perimeter and force Anthony Davis to come over. You see teams where all they really have to do is get the ball up over the pterodactyl wings that Anthony Davis calls arms. You get that ball up on the rim, and it's a tip dunk for whoever your center is because the Lakers do a terrible job of reading that and then boxing out that big. So that's another way you can get points in the paint, but the best way for, uh, for the best path to success to get points in the paint against this Lakers team, it's to attack with, when Anthony Davis is out of the play and beat him down the floor. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f***ing best. Each week, Shea Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Dominic Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Yeah, no, that's that's really well said. And I think another interesting key in this one's going to be the, uh, you know, three-point shooting. As I'm looking at it here, too, the Raptors are 24th, the Lakers are 25th. So these are yeah. two teams that haven't particularly shot the ball well from deep. And I know from the Raptors' side of things, when they get that three-ball to fall early, it just opens everything up. But when, like, they're when it's a grind for them to hit threes, it's effectively, it's, you know, seemingly a grind for them to score. So I, I think this is a matchup that could come down to that three ball discrepancy because in the Raptors matchup over the Kings, that's the reason why they lost that game was because the Kings put up more shots and they hit more threes. And also are the Raptors going to be able to get the benefit of the whistle and get to the foul line. I, I think the Raptors have done a, a better job of getting to the free throw line, which is something mm -hmm. that they haven't been able to do at the beginning of the season. So that's another area to see, you know, if, they can continue to generate looks at the line. And that's obviously going to be primarily, you know, guys like RJ and Siakam attacking. And then the last thing I'll say to this, Trevor, is I don't know how the hell the Raptors are going to stop uh, Pirtle. 
or sorry, uh, AD without Pirtle, uh being in there. Cause really like, it's going to be tough. Like they're going to have to throw some unique looks at AD to try to slow him down. But the Raptors have at tough times this season guarding a guy of AD's stature, you know, and has gone off a lot of times playing against the Raptors. And sure. I, I just think AD's going to absolutely have a, a heyday if the Raptors don't game plan for him properly. So first of all, the, the free throw attempt situation. Yeah. The, uh, the, the Toronto Raptors right now are, are on this over the last four games. Okay. Cause I kind of consider it like a new, not a, a, a new team, but it's a big difference over the last four games, the Toronto Raptors, uh, since they made the trade, uh, rank fifth in the NBA in free throw attempts. The Lakers over that span rank 14th. They've been not over the last month or so. They've not been as good at getting to the free throw line as they were say last season. So I do think that's going to be a key factor here. It's it's the free throw attempts. Uh, as far as Anthony Davis goes, I, I think it, it's it, it's kind of funny because it was actually playing against the Raptors last season. Obviously, different coach. But playing against the Raptors last season, Anthony Davis, I want to say he had like nine points. It was late in the season. Everybody saw the way the Raptors defense kind of took Anthony Davis out of the game and forced other players to beat them. And the Lakers won that game. But I remember that game. That game sticks out like a sore thumb because I went, oh, no. They have to solve this. Like, if the Lakers don't solve this, every like everyone just saw this. Everyone saw what the Raptors did here, how they fronted AD, how they prevented that pass from getting there everybody's going to do it from now on. And that's exactly what happened. And that's why Anthony Davis suddenly got that narrative that, you know, he would have a good game and then a game where he disappears and a good game, then a game where he disappears. Teams were focusing on stopping him and trying to force other, other players to beat them. I think that's what the Raptors are going to do here. They're going to, if they're going to have to front and, and then send the double to Anthony Davis, they're going to do that. They're going to do everything they can to keep him from catching the ball in the post, and it's going to be on the Lakers to get creative and figure out ways to feed Anthony Davis the ball in scoring positions. And when the Raptors really do commit, if they're going to set a double at AD. It's going to be important that AD moves the ball, and then the other Lakers do stuff. There's gonna there's been way too many games during this rough stretch since the in season tournament happened, uh, where it's been LeBron, it's been Anthony Davis, it's been maybe one other guy. And then everybody else is just kind of out there doing cardio and not and not really making an impact on the game. Um, against the Clippers and the Lakers last outing, everybody stepped up. Everybody contributed. Everybody that played contributed in some way. That's what the Lakers are going to need here because I think the Raptors are going to throw everything at stopping AD and they're going to hope that nobody else really steps up and gets going if they focus on stopping the ball from getting to AD. You can't prevent everything, but they're hoping if they can prevent the ball from getting to AD, that's going to result in Cam Reddish shooting threes, Jared Vanderbilt shooting. Like those are the guys they want to force into shots. And so how effective they are at forcing those types of situations, that I think is going to be critical in this one. Yeah, no, that's well said. And I I think, you know, we're going to see a lot from Darko in this one because, you know, obviously going back to last season, I remember that game that was, you know, head coached by Nick Nurse and he's the, one of the best coaches in the league when it comes to just neutralizing the other team's best player. And if he's going to lose, he's going to make the other guys beat him. And in this one, you know, Darko, you know, is he going to send the double? Who's he going to have as the primary defender against AD? Cause I'll tell you this over the last couple of games, the Raptors have uh, had a tough time, especially on the offensive glass. They got, the other game against the Warriors, 
the Warriors had more offensive rebounds than the Raptors. And then against the Kings, the Montes Sabonis absolutely feasted inside. Mm. And this is why I'm scared of AD, because Sabonis had multiple offensive rebounds, generating second chance opportunities in that first quarter, in that first half, which is why the Kings got off to that great start. And Sabonis had 15 boards, 11 assists, 24 points. So he, he was just abusing the Raptors, and they had no answer for him on the glass. So now you're taking away, you know, a huge piece in Pirtle, their best guy on the glass, and it's going to be a grind, especially trying to, you know, get those boards over AD and, and try to not allow the Lakers to have all these second chance opportunities and all these offensive rebounds. So I think that's a, an area where the Lakers can really impose their will. But again, we'll see how Darko plays this not having Yakupurdo for the first time this season. And it's funny because like just the Raptors luck, uh, Trevor, they have actually been one of the luckiest teams, I guess this season of avoiding the injury bug. They only had one other occasion where they were missing a starter. And that was OG who cut his finger. So it wasn't even like, a legit injury. He cut his finger right. doing house chores. This is actually an injury that the Raptors are going to have to face, and it's probably going to hurt him in a big way. Well, if it if it helps ease your concern at all, now there have been some games where this has not been true, but the Lakers right now are dead last in the NBA on the season in in second chance points scored. They tend to not get second chance. Now, part of that is they they made the conscious decision that they weren't going to pursue offensive rebounds. Instead, they were going to focus on getting back to try to prevent transition scoring opportunities for their opponents. And we've seen that for much of the season, but they have had some games. In fact, I'm, I'm blanking on the team they were playing, but there was a game where they, they just completely shifted their strategy and sent everybody the offensive glass and dominated. I wonder with Pirtle out, if that's what they do here, if they do send extra guys at the offensive glass and just say, Hey, we're going to go all out for the, the offensive board. Uh, if we don't get it, that's going to put us in a tough spot for our transition defense, but we're going to take that gamble. That's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on in this game, and I'm glad you pointed that out uh, because the Lakers, again, have not been good there on the season, but without Pirtle in there, there's there's definitely some opportunities for them to, for them to do some damage on that offensive glass. Um, looking right now, and this is, again, we're recording this uh, Monday evening, but right now, uh, the... Lakers are a five and a half point favorite. I'm nervous about that. I mean, the, the Raptors just beat the Warriors. They've been really good since the trade. From I'm always going to be I'm always going to be nervous with the line. That's just the way it is. But from the Lakers side of things, I'm worried that that's a little bit high. How do you feel about that line, even with you know Pirtle out? Well, I, I just want to throw this into the equation. I don't know if this makes you feel any better. I know this is not spread. This is just straight up. But LeBron uh -huh. is 42 and 16 all time against the Raptors, going back uh -huh. to the LeBron days. So that is a compelling number right there. And he has put up some nice numbers against the Raptors, 27.2 points, 7.6 assists, and 7.2 rebounds. So this could be a LeBron AD classic game. Um, five and a half, that is one of those numbers that, you know, it, it, it's one of those things that you, you I don't know, you, you never feel comfortable taking when you're on yeah. the minus side of it. Obviously, I'm going plus five and a half. I think the Raptors are going to make this thing interesting. And they just have all the momentum right now. They're mm -hmm. feeling good, playing good. You guys look good. So, you know, and the Lakers just coming off an emotional, like, high victory against the Clippers. They needed that one because I know you guys were in a rut prior to that. It's been bad. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be a very, very tight game. I, I, I would not be surprised if this thing goes down to the wire. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think this thing is going to be very, very close. And that's why I'm not, I'm not super comfortable with that five and a half number, at least just kind of being out that the Lakers are that heavy of a favorite. I know Pirtle's not there, but there's so many wings on the Raptors that can do so many things. So this is going to be, I think, a really exciting one. Uh, Luca, thank you so much for, for coming on here. I'm glad we got to do this. If you're joining over on the Raptors Nation YouTube channel, again, make sure you hit that subscribe button over on the Lakers Nation side. Go check out Raptors Nation. Give them a follow as well. But but Luca does absolutely phenomenal work. And uh, and again, man, thank you so much for coming on here and, uh, and best of luck in, in, in tonight's game. Thank you, Trevor, and uh, best of luck, Lakers Nation. We'll see uh, who wins this one. And, and guys, go follow Luca over on X as well, uh, at Luca Rosano 3 Does some great stuff there as well, if you guys want to find him personally. All right. Well, again, thank you, Luca. I'm going to go ahead and uh, and open up the Lakers Nation mailbag, and, uh, and we'll take a look at that. So do appreciate everybody who is sticking around for this portion of the show. Gosh, that was a lot of fun getting to break things down and hear things from the Raptors point of view and kind of get a peek at all that. But I've got a lot of your questions and comments to get into as well. So let's jump over to the mailbag. Let's see what we've got here. Uh, these are mostly coming from the Lakers Clippers matchup. Jay Delgado said, finally, a good starting lineup with good rotation. Start fouling three point shooters. That's going to be critical tonight against the Raptors. Don't foul three point shooters. Uh, yeah, I mean, the Lakers were a little bit overzealous with their contests at the three point line. And, and maybe that was, you know, they've heard that, hey, teams are going nuts from three against the Lakers. And, you know, they wanted to try to drag down that percentage and make really a concerted effort. Uh, maybe they overcorrected and they were defending a little bit too aggressively on the three-point line, but that's also, I, I'll take it. I'd rather have them back off a little bit of that and, and just have to dial that in of aggressively defending the three-point line rather than we're going to give up a ton of open looks and teams are going to absolutely torch us from behind the arc because that's what we've seen over the last, gosh, it's been like four weeks. Davion Nelson said, more AD Braun Wood lineups and he needs 25 plus minutes. You know, I don't know if I can go 25 minutes for for Christian Wood, but I did a video for Lakers Nation earlier today about, you know, is he the answer for the Lakers? And I don't mean is he the guy that you just start and he takes over and you know, and, and he dominates or something like that when I'm talking about Christian Wood. I mean, is he the answer in terms of this is the guy that you want as your backup center? Um that I think is something that's an interesting question. Christian Wood was brought in. We had high hopes for him. He went through a shooting slump, but now he seems to have broken out of that. He's shooting 53% from three over the last six games. Lo and behold, the Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Christian Wood lineup. At the very start of the season, I'm talking like the first five games or so, maybe six games. Um, that lineup was like the go-to lineup. I remember talking about how if the Lakers were going to have success, it was with that lineup. Well, check this out. On the season, with LeBron, Wood, and Davis on the floor. Okay, and I'm not narrowing down anybody else around them. Just with those three on the floor, the Lakers are overall a plus 26.2 per 100 possessions. And that's over 187 possessions total. That tells you there's something there. I don't think that number is real. I don't think they're actually beating teams by 26 if they just play that lineup. But that is still... Pretty darn good. Um, for example, right? Like Austin Reeves, Max Christie, LeBron, Christian Wood, Anthony Davis. That lineup is a minus 23. They're getting torched. But then D'Angelo Russell, Gabe Vincent, who did not play well 
Christian Wood, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. Again, Gabe Vincent barely played at all. That lineup is a plus 96.7. So they're, in terms of the individual lineups, those are very much in small sample size territory. But the bottom line is that when you put LeBron, Christian Wood, and Anthony Davis onto the floor, good things do tend to happen. Good things do tend to happen. Um, and so that's something that I think the Lakers should continue exploring. I, I think they've got to. And especially if it's if it, we get to a point where they can't find a center at the at the trade deadline, maybe they have to focus on some other areas. Christian Wood's got to be your guy. He has to be the answer at the backup center position. Aqua said Cam almost sold late in the fourth. Dilo was this team's X factor good win. Yeah, it was not. It was a a nervous Cam Reddish game because he made me so nervous every time he had the ball on the offensive end. At least he hit in a couple of threes. And D'Angelo Russell was a welcome addition back into the lineup. Uh, bruh, bruh said, what do you think of this starting lineup? Braun, Reeves, Vando, Wood, AD. Okay, so there's Christian Wood in the starting lineup. Uh, you know, I think Vando's defensive versatility would allow you to pull it off. He said, I've fallen in love with it for many reasons that I can't fit in a super chat. Vando's defensive versatility could allow you to pull it off. You're going to have to have some interesting matchups because nominally, like Jared Vanderbilt is your two in that lineup. LeBron is your three, I guess. Christian Wood is your four. Anthony Davis is your five. I guess, first of all, it's a it's a supersized lineup. But if Christian Wood continues to shoot the three well, then ideally you've got everything covered. You've got floor spacing. You've got shot creation. You've got, um, you, you've got rebounding. You've got rebounding size. You've got... You've got whatever you need. You have rim protection. So I, I don't hate that. I don't hate that idea for a lineup. As long as I think the one area that I'd be concerned about is who does Austin defend? And it's probably just whoever is the, in that rotation, it's probably just whoever is the least threatening of the one or the two guard on the opposing team. And then Vando takes the other one. And again, it could just be as simple as that. The downside of that being that then LeBron is, by default, kind of defending threes. So you also have to hope your opponent has a three. That's that's kind of non-threatening as well. But I, I don't hate that lineup. In fact, let me see here, uh, per cleaning the glass, what exactly that lineup does or has done so far. Let's see. I'm, I'm sure it's a tiny sample size. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that, that lineup is a minus 100 per 100 possessions, but they've played a total of five possessions. So that is nothing. That basically means they they haven't played together. Uh, Callan said, what has changed with Austin Reeves' defense? Metrically, last year he was a slight positive, and this year he's just below average, but he's perceived as terrible. So I think part of that is that Austin can be a pretty good team defender. He can be solid there, but it's the noise, right? It's the noise. So for example... When a player does something really good, does something crazy that's going to be on Sports Center, they dunk the ball like LeBron when he dunked on Paul George in that Clippers game. Oh, man, that was amazing. But you're going to see that on Sports Center all the time, right? Um, call it the Harold Miner effect if you want to go back way, way, way old school. Remember, there was a point where there was this guy named Harold Miner. He's in the dunk contest doing these, these great dunks, and people start calling him Baby Jordan, and all this kind of stuff is happening. Well, the stuff that he's doing is just very loud. The positive thing, things that he's doing is very loud. The rest of his game is just kind of meh, right? He's just okay. But people got an overinflated view of what he really is as a basketball player because the things that he did got everybody's attention. 
And the opposite also applies. If your weaknesses of your game are loud weaknesses, people will overestimate the impact of those things. And so with Austin, when Austin, when his the, the downside of his game shows, it's when he gets put into ISO situations. And then it's like when the floor is cleared out, like you might as well just put a spotlight on those two players. And then you're seeing teams that are running different things specifically to get Austin ISOed against their, their best score, right? It's the, the Grizzlies are going to run something to get Ja Morant ISOed against Austin, which by the way, did feel terrible for Ja uh, just announced earlier this evening, shoulder surgery for him. And, uh, and he's out for the season. Uh, absolutely brutal given that he already missed most of the season due to suspension. Um, anyway, but, well, what's going to happen? Austin gets broken down off the dribble. He gets scored on. That's a very loud play. And that's where everybody says, oh, Austin Reeves, he's a terrible defender. Don't you see everybody picks on him, teams go at him, and all this sort of stuff. That then is discounting what Austin does off ball, what Austin does in the team defensive scheme when they're not going right at him and and things of that nature. But, that, but that's not going to get noticed as much because the loud play, the play that really stands out He's, oh man, did you see when Austin got ISOed and he couldn't do anything to stick with this guy? That's what people are going to remember. And so that's why the, the narrative, the perception of the player can sometimes not be an accurate reflection of what the player actually is. Ayal uh, Farkash said, at this point, it looks like Ham is trying to get fired to get money while sitting at home, not taking timeouts and playing bad lineups in crunch time. I talked about this on the post game, but I thought that... Um, I thought the Darvin Ham coached a great game for three quarters and things got sloppy in the fourth. Kind of like in the playoffs last year. Thought Darvin Ham coached two great playoff series against the uh the Grizzlies and the Warriors, and then things got sloppy against the Nuggets. Everything fell, fell apart. Um, I don't think he's trying to get money while sitting at home. I'm like, come on, that's coaches aren't gonna do that. Coaches have to have too much pride for that. I don't think he's on purpose trying to tank or anything. If anything, I know he had a minutes limit, but look what the Clippers did. Burned all of their... I know we get on Darvin for not being aggressive enough with timeouts. The Clippers left themselves with no timeouts for the final like three minutes of the game and randomly had to pull Kawhi Leonard because I guess of a minutes restriction or something like that. So they pull him out for, the, for crunch time. Clippers fans aren't happy with their coach right now. Dante. Why such high praise for Austin Reeves? Well, there you go, right? I mean, just referencing the previous comment. Why such high praise for Austin Reeves? The guy's a liability on defense and shouldn't be in the starting lineup because he can be an extremely efficient scorer, because he's a multifaceted offensive player. Um, he's got a lot to his game that he can do, and his game really molds well with LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. So uh, that's why there, there's high praise. That's why teams that call the Lakers looking to trade first guy they asked for is Austin Reeves because of his contract and because of his skill on the floor. Yes, he's got a weak point, and that's defense. But again, I think that does get blown out of proportion to a degree. Ace of Hearts, someone tell Norman Powell to chill out, bro. Also, Master Lock Darvin for subbing out Wood and letting nine points go by without a timeout. Also, Master Lock Cam because he was almost the reason we blew the 10-point the lead. Yeah, uh, it was not a good offensive game for Cam. It was very shaky. Uh, he just could not hang on to the basketball and hopefully better days are ahead for him. I was also surprised Christian Wood did not get back into the game. I thought he was going to close it out. He looked so integral to what the Lakers were doing out there. So I was surprised at that. Norman Powell seems to do this against the Lakers. And I and it's whenever it happens, I remind everybody that the Blazers gave Norman Powell to the Clippers basically for free. 
not quite as free as the Pacers giving Daniel Tice to the Clippers literally for free, like just cutting him loose so he could go sign with the Clippers. Don't even ask the Clippers to trade anything for him. Um, pretty ridiculous. But yeah, Norman Powell, just he tends to have big games against the Lakers. Jake, you know, D'Lo is the star in your role, back-to-back threes. Well, there was also, he was what, 0 for 4 to start the game? Maybe it was 0 for 5. So, I mean, there was, everybody was kind of, uh-oh, get D'Lo out. He's not on a heater this game. And then he hit back-to-back threes that were ended up being pretty big, and, and then all is forgiven. But overall, on the night, he didn't shoot the ball that great, but it is still, they needed him. They need a skill set out there. Ree said, 39-year-old poster on Paul George. Dude is insane, man. Yep, absolutely. That was incredible. Paul George, all he could do was stare up at greatness. Darvin Ham is the only coach I've seen that walks around with his head down and hands in pockets, plus he doesn't know what when to call timeouts. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's just a body language thing, but it is funny how many people are you know, so upset that Darvin has his hands in his pockets. And I get it. I know. Body language does matter. We we read body language all the time when we're watching players on the floor. So I get it. It is something that matters, but it's funny that this is that's become like Darvin's thing, is that his hands are in his pockets. Wizzy said, still don't know why the Clippers used all their timeouts so early or why they subbed out Kawhi, but glad we got the win. Yeah, that was that was strange stuff from the Clippers too in the fourth. Arjan said the team looks so different when LeBron's engaged on defense from the tip. Unfortunately, he's 39 and can't do it every night. That's it exactly. That's it exactly. And I've been talking about this all season, but the team, uh, right or wrong, and really it's wrong, um, their energy follows LeBron's energy. It's the way it goes. And that should not be the case for a 39-year-old, but it's been the case since LeBron arrived in LA. He sets the tone. DeAndre Evans, bronze 39, the poster. Yeah, it was mind-blowing. Super dope hip-hop. Uh, LeBron, 90th, uh, is in the 90th percentile. Defensive plus-minus, 7th in defensive win shares, 15th. And so, it's saying that this all showed on, on Kawhi Leonard, his defensive capabilities. When LeBron turns it on, he still can be a fantastic defensive player. I always think back to the LeBron that locked up Derrick Rose in the playoffs, that the Miami Heat version of, of LeBron uh, that locked up MVP Derrick Rose. He's not that guy anymore. But uh, in certain matchups, he can turn it up and he can still give you a great defensive performance. Unfortunately, you also get some games in between that where he knows he can't push down on that gas pedal and you get a LeBron that isn't sprinting back on defense, that isn't closing out like he should be or and things like that. Or... I shouldn't say like he should be. He's 39. There is no like he should be. Um, how you would ideally want a player. If a player was, look, if a if a player was 29 and doing those things, we'd be very upset, right? Like it would be a, it would be a big issue. But um, but with LeBron, you understand why he has these kind of ebbs and flows. But overall, he's still a supremely talented defensive player when he does turn it on there. Uh, Jose said players want went more to fill on the bench than ham pocket ham clueless darvin scam the lakers won they beat the clippers and again i thought darvin coached a good game for three quarters i want to try to give him credit i want to try to give him credit for uh, a game that the lakers came out and won i think there's been some improvements that we saw and i hope those improvements carry over against the raptors see here you know here's the thing i don't wish any ill will towards darvin i want the lakers to win if Darvin shows improvement and if Darvin is doing things, 
out on the floor is putting out lineups that make sense. If, if they're, they're running things, things look good for the Lakers. I want to give Darvin credit. Like the best case scenario for me is not Darvin Ham gets fired. I don't want to see anybody get fired. The best case scenario for me is everything turns around. The Lakers become a juggernaut and we get to talk about what did Darvin Ham do to turn things around? How have things changed on the offensive end, on defense? What has he done? How did he pull this off? That's what I want to talk about. I don't want to see Darvin Ham fired, but I want the Lakers to win. That's the most important thing. So when Darvin does well, I'm going to talk about the things that, that he does well. And again, the fourth quarter was frustrating. There were moments there where you went, uh-oh, uh-oh, Darvin's doing it again. Big problems here. So I hope against the Raptors, we continue to see improvements. We see steps in the right direction. That's what I want to see. Uh, Mark said, what a ball game. Basketball is an ulcer sport. Oh, my gosh. I was so nervous. I was so nervous. If you, if you joined us on YouTube, you joined us over on playback for that game. Lakers Clippers down the stretch. Lakers are up 10 and you could feel it slipping away and Darwin's not calling timeout and everybody's frustrated and things are getting thrown and oh, I was nervous. Uh, Ham may have saved his job tonight. Ty Lue made a public puzzling decision using his last timeout early. That was a great game. Go Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the reporting is that Darwin was not coaching for his job, but I still contend and this is not sourced, but if the Lakers had gone out and gotten blown out by like 30 or something against the Clippers, some conversations would have would have needed to be had, I think. M. Dredd said Braun coached the final two minutes. Uh, did I, I can't confirm that, but he's he's brilliant. He's a basketball player, LeBron is. So wouldn't shock me if he, you know, was was part of the decision making process there. Adam said, good to see Wood, Max, and Cam step up and contribute. Yep. Yeah, that's what they need. They need everybody contributing. That's what this team's built for, is for this team with depth where all these guys pitch in and do, do their thing. Haven't seen enough of it this season. Dean said, apparently D'Lo makes a huge difference. Having another point guard makes a big difference, right? Not, having, not being in a situation where one of Austin Reeves or LeBron James must be on the floor at all times because you don't have anybody else to handle the basketball. And by the way, the Lakers, I, I should mention this. I did a video uh, yesterday on the YouTube channel. The Lakers did sign Skylar Mays, uh, who is a, on a two-way contract now. The Lakers opened up the extra two-way contract by waving both Demoy Hodge and Alex Fudge. They added Dylan Windler the other day, so that left them with an open two-way spot. They used it on Skylar Mays. Skylar Mays played for Portland, did a really nice job in two games against the Lakers, playing for the Blazers. And what this does now is it gives you another guard that you can turn to in a break glass in case of emergency situation. Because clearly that's not JHS. I'm expecting to see Jalen Huchifino in the G League with the South Bay Lakers for an extended stay. I think that's the way he gets reps because clearly he's not ready to get minutes for the Lakers. And that's unfortunate because the hope was that he could be, at the worst, a break glass in case of emergency point guard for this Lakers team. He's not there. You saw it against the Heat. He's not there. He needs those minutes in the G League to grow, to develop. Hopefully he becomes something here for the Lakers. But in the meantime, the Lakers added Skylar Mays to help out because they were in those situations where Austin or LeBron had to be on the floor at all times. If one of those guys got in foul trouble, somebody needed a rest, they were literally going to Anthony Davis playing the point guard rather than put in Jalen Huchifino. You simply can't have that. So welcome to the fold, Skylar Mays. I wouldn't, wouldn't shock me to see him appear in some games, even though he's on a two-way contract. I don't think he's going to play a lot, 
I think mostly this move is about getting Jalen Huchifino down to the G League. Spicy Mayonnaise said Ty, Ty Lue played 4D chess to keep Darwin's job. See, there's I love conspiracy theories. There Sometimes they can be crazy, but in this case, the conspiracy theory is that Ty Lue and the Clippers know that the Lakers will never be much of a threat is if Darvin Ham is the head coach. And so by throwing this game, that secures Darvin Ham. That's why Ty Lue did the bizarre things down the stretch uh, with the timeouts and Kawhi and everything. By throwing this game, while they lose this battle, it will help them win the war because now the Lakers will not remove Darvin Ham as their head coach, and he will ultimately be the anchor preventing them from, from going where they want to go and being a thorn in the side of the Clippers. Side of the Clippers. Um, I don't buy. I don't buy it. But that's that's what I've seen going around, which is funny. I think we're just we look for stuff like that. Superdub Hip Hop said having to rely on thirty nine year old LeBron for the whole team's energy every night makes it all the more annoying that the Lakers gave away energy players Alex Caruso, Zubats, and KCP. Oh man. Oh, that it's so bad. I mean, somewhere out there, there is. There is in the multiverse, there is a world where this Lakers team has Anthony Davis and Zubats, has LeBron, has KCP, Alex Caruso. These guys are all on the roster. And that's all on one team. God, that would be so good. And it was right, it was right there for them. Right there. Man. Lord Beerus said that LeBron dunk on Paul George was disrespectful to Father Time. It was disrespectful to Paul George, too. Uh, plus, I love the way they smothered the three-point line, attacking the rim, took uncontested threes. Yep. I, again, I think the Lakers heard the noise about them getting torched from three, and they set out to try to stop that. I thought they got a little too aggressive, and that's what caused them to, um, to commit some fouls on three-point shooters, and they need to dial that back just a little bit, but much, much better there. Al, I was at the game. And Cam Reddish makes my blood pressure go up on offense. Ham almost risked the game by having him in and keeping Wood out. I was surprised. Now, he put Cam, if I'm remembering correctly, he put Cam in in the fourth and then very quickly um, pulled him back out because he realized that Cam simply didn't have it on the offensive end. And it was it was certainly scary. It was certainly scary. You know, it's kind of funny. Cam Reddish and Jared Vanderbilt, like Jared Vanderbilt is not trade eligible this season. Cam Reddish... Uh, he's not going to like, he could be a throw in in a trade, but he's on a minimum contract. But I kind of feel like, and, and going forward, this is easy, but I kind of feel like the Lakers, um, the Lakers need to split these guys up. The the two of them. Um, I don't know if the, having both of them on the same team is, is a good idea just because they're both kind of the same guy, right? Both of them are a guy that, well, <laughs> If they do anything on the offensive end, if the ball finds them on the offensive end, the opposing team is happy with that. And then defensively, they both can do some really good things. You know, Jared Vanderbilt's the better rebounder. Cam Reddish is better at, you know, chasing guards and a little bit lankier and, and everything, a little bit better of a, a slasher, I guess, on the offensive end. But, but the reality is right now, opponents are super happy if either one of them attempts to do anything on offense. And it's tough because I, I like both these guys. I like both these guys, but they both have that same offensive deficiency. And so it makes it really tough because you really can't play them together because you're just, which makes it even more insane that, you know, Darwin was playing those guys together in a starting lineup nonetheless. But um, 
you can really you can't, you can't put them on the floor together. You just don't have enough offense there. If if it's if it's the end of a game and you need a stop or something, sure, put them on the floor together for a defensive possession, but not offense. Um, again, this was a particularly nervy Cam Reddish game, though. I was, uh, yeah, he hit some threes though, so at least we'll take that. Mark Zoo was killing us on the glass. Yeah, I mean that's the benefit of having a true big center that was on the Lakers roster. And they said, no, thank you. We like Mike Muscala. Magic Johnson, like, he's my favorite Laker. I grew up on Magic Johnson. But why did you do that, Magic? Why? Second chance points, our roster has had a defensive rebounding issue all year. They have gotten better at it in terms of opponents' uh, offensive rebounds. They've gotten better as the season has gone on. It was worse at the beginning of the season. But, yes, it has been an issue. Logan said, Levine and Drummond for Gabe, Rui, and D'Lo. Who starts a point guard if so? Uh, I think I would probably do that deal. I mean, Bulls fans are probably saying, hell no, we're not doing that deal. Because they want much more than that, obviously. That would that would be a situation where the Bulls would just be, be saying, look, somebody take his contract. Take his contract. D'Lo could be a free agent this summer. Maybe he may have a player option. Um, Rui maybe can fit long-term for us, but somebody take this contract off our hands. Uh, last night, Zach Levine against the Hornets played 36 minutes, two for eight shooting, two for six from three, five assists, three boards, nine points in 36 minutes, two blocks as well. So a Zach Levine that is now back from injury and needs to show everybody that he's a guy that can affect winning in a positive way so far. And again, he's just coming back. He's been off for a little bit, but so far hasn't really done that. Uh, 15 points his previous outing in 30 minutes. Much better shooting there, but not a good outing in terms of the production for Zach Levine against the Hornets. Uh, but let's say the Lakers do that. Let me get to the question here. Levine and Drummond for Gabe Rui and Dilo. Who starts at point guard? Uh, Austin. Austin would start at point guard. If they do that now, Austin Levine backcourt, is that great defensively? No, it's not. But yeah, Austin would start at, at point guard in that situation. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. LeBron's bald spot. Regardless of who's coached, what are your thoughts on hiring a former NBA coach and Rondo to the staff? Also, are there any Hawks besides DeJounte Murray that interest you? Okay, so 
Uh, yeah, I, I am always a fan of the idea of having a seasoned, experienced NBA coaches on your bench, especially when you have a first-time head coach. And Rajon Rondo, I would have no issues with him being on staff either. As far as Hawks, besides DeJounte Murray, I've always been a fan of Bogdan Bogdanovich. I, I think he's the kind of just do a little bit of everything type of guard that you could really use uh, on a lot of teams. So he's a guy that I, that I would definitely be interested in. And then we could, of course, talk about Clint Capella. But I kind of think in Capella's case, it, it's just you're going too far above your pay grade when you go after Capella. You don't need that. You don't need Clint Capella. I mean, he's making, what, $20 million this season? And Capella's better than most of the other cheaper options. There's a reason why he's more expensive. But I, I guess this is a... You're just if you're the Lakers, you're just trying to get from point A to point B. Right? You're taking a single trip across town. This isn't the car that you're going to drive for the rest of your life. This isn't the car that you're going to be taking out on a bunch of long road trips where comfort is important. No, the important thing is does this car get you to where you need to go? Period. And when I'm making that analogy, I'm talking about the Lakers just getting another center that can just get them to where they want to go this season. They don't need to go spend on a BMW of centers right now. They don't need to go spend on a Tesla or something like that. All they need is something reliable that isn't going to cost them too much and is going to do the job of getting them from point A to point B. And so when I look at a guy like Clint Capella, he's a good player. He's better than a lot of the, the just reliable guys that, that we would talk about. But his salary is such you're going to have to pay so much to get him that I don't know if it makes sense over just going with a, a cheaper option, especially knowing that you're shifting a lot. If suddenly it's Anthony Davis is going to play power forward for the bulk of his minutes because a guy like Capella is going to be out on the floor with them. It's a little bit of a different story, of course, if it's a three point shooting big, if we want to get into like a Nikola Vucevic or something like that, even then there's some pros and cons to it. But yeah, uh, but Hawks Bogdan Bogdanovich is, is an interesting one for me. Uh, Isaac said, it makes my blood boil that Christian Wood is not in the closing lineup. I, I was shocked there, too. I thought he had earned the opportunity to close that game. We're giving up offensive rebounds like crazy in clutch time. Yes. Yeah, agreed. Headbuster Sports, top lineup all season. Wood, AD, Braun, D'Lo, Fireham. <laughs> yeah. Um, Christian, Wood, Christian Wood went through a shooting slump, and Jackson Hayes had the opportunity. And I was hoping that they would go back to Christian Wood at some point because Jackson Hayes was pretty obvious. He's not it. He's not the guy. But Christian Wood, his shooting slump was so pronounced and so out of character for him. And you looked at the other things he was doing, rebounding, rim protecting. There were some games where it was not great, of course, but it's been good enough. In those areas, he, he makes a difference in those areas, a positive difference in those areas. But you looked at his three-point shooting, and that, that was what really moved him to the bench, is he was just not shooting the ball well. Didn't look good, wasn't in a good rhythm. He was shooting like 27, 28% from three. But to me, everything about the numbers, everything about the way his game was being played said it's a slump, not a this is who he is. With Jackson Hayes, I kind of feel like this is just who he is as a player right now. Christian Wood, I had a pretty good sense that their regression would come. 
the numbers would come back around. Now, right now, since he's been back in the rotation, he's shooting 53% from three. That's not sustainable. But neither is 28% from three when the dude's a 37% career three-point shooter. So I had a pretty good idea that if they went back to Christian Wood, at some point the numbers would catch up and he would prove what he can do. The question now becomes, do you still need to go get another center? And I think the answer is probably still yes, but it is good seeing Christian Wood perform the way that he has been. Uh, salute to Wood for matching AD on the boards, making and blocking shots. Please keep that same energy. Yes, indeed. Keep feeding him. Keep giving. If Christian Wood's going to keep playing like this, keep playing him. Bomba mentality. If only we could stick Max Christie in the time machine that speeds up to get a 23-year-old Max. I agree, Trev. Max is showing some promising signs. Yeah, man. That's And that's it exactly. Mama mentality is completely right. If the Lakers had 23-year-old Max right now, they would have, my my belief is they would have a night-in, night-out, locked-in starter at the two. That's what I believe 23-year-old Max Christie is going to be. Right now, he's 20. I think next year, he could even be a starting caliber player. But I think by 23, he is a night-in, night-out starter. That's what I think he's going to be. His skill set is perfect for today's NBA. And this is part of why the Lakers went after him, why they targeted him, right? He has deficiencies. He's a bit of an adventure when he's attacking off the dribble, at least attacking the rim off the dribble. The pull-up jumper is just fine. The spot-up three is great. The defense is great. Those those are the two main boxes you need to check when you're playing next to LeBron, playing next to Anthony Davis. Hit open threes, play good defense. It sounds easy, but there's not that many guys on the roster that can do it. Look at D'Lo. Hit open threes, yes. Defense, no. Austin, threes, yes. Defense, no. Cam Reddish, defense, yes. Threes, no. Jared Vanderbilt, defense, yes. Threes, no. Torian Prince, threes, yes. Defense, no. There's not that many guys on the roster that can do both. I think Rui Hachimura could be a guy who can do both, not necessarily at a high level on either, but he's good enough at both those things. But those are the two main skill sets you need to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Everything else, you need all the other skills. You need handling and, and the ability to create shots and you know, all that kind of stuff. Those things are all needed on the team concept. But just in terms of what are the two most important skill sets to play with LeBron and AD, that's it. And those are the two things Max is best at right now. His game will diversify as he gets older. But man, I would have a real tough time putting him in a trade at the trade deadline. Tell you that. I would have a real tough time with that. Retro, retro flow said start D'Lo, Max, Braun, AD, Wood. Get Dwight and Schroeder. Well, Dwight, you can call up and get him anytime you want. Uh, Schroeder? I mean, I just had Luca on. I should have asked him if the Raptors were considering trading him. They seem pretty happy with him, though. Ricky said, with Clippers, it feels like an invasion of space. We were debating on the show who who do Lakers fans hate more, Celtics or Clippers. Uh, the Clippers actually won the poll as the most hated team, which was surprising. He says it feels like an invasion of space. It does. And that's annoying. Retro flow. Oh, okay, I got that one. Uh Universal Mind said we need a true center. Yep. Uh, I think they could. But again, how much do you pay for that? I could be surfing said, I. the more I think about it, Ham could have easily cost us that game. We just got lucky. Still needs to go. 
Yeah, I mean, I thought he coached pretty well for three quarters. He almost cost him the fourth. That's true. Had they lost that game in the fourth? Oh, man. Rather than rather than talk about Christian Wood and how well he played and Max is doing things, and right, what would we be, we'd be talking about right now? We'd be talking about 10-point deficit erased with no timeouts. We'd be talking about why was Christian Wood not closing the game? Why did Cam Reddish go in in the fourth when he's been a turnover machine during that whole game? Um, there was more, but why didn't he switch? There was a moment where he could have subbed in a defensive lineup instead of leaving his weaker defenders on the floor, knowing he was going to take a timeout when the Lakers got the ball back and he had the opportunity to sub in defenders and he didn't late in crunch time. Um, things like that. That would be all the talk. Thank goodness they won. A DQ have to be one of the least watchable teams. Who? The Clippers? The Lakers? Masterlock, all those who chose Clips is the most hated. Nobody's over 17. I mean, I get like, like the Celtics, we've got this historic thing, right? And so that's always going to be at my core is you hate the Celtics. But for the people who didn't grow up during Showtime like I did, what they know is there's this other team in town that nobody wants there that is going around picking at you constantly, trying to do everything to be an annoyance in your own home. They are the proverbial house guest that has overstayed their welcome for decades now. I get it. That's annoying. That's frustrating. It's like, go home already. This is our home. This is not your home. Go somewhere else. I get it. That's frustrating. So I understand why some people would say it's the Clippers. But to me, it's the championship chase that matters the most. God, I hope the Celtics don't win it this year. King Rifa said, we act like Vando is 05 Reggie Evans. Keep him. Yeah, I mean, look, Jared Vanderbilt is still a guy that I like a lot. I do like Jared Vanderbilt a lot. I think that he's a talented player. I think he's really good defensively, very versatile. I was hoping his offensive game would come along a little bit more this season, but I'm not anti-Jared Vanderbilt. I just try to be realistic about what, what he can and can't do out on the basketball court. Andrew said, we needed to win if we have any chance at making a trade without being used. We can't trade desperately. Well, that's another point to it, right? People say, well, I wish I had Lakers fans who actually said, well, shoot, now we're not going to get rid of Darvin. If you want to see the Lakers make a trade, and I, I talked about this on a, a previous show, if you are any team and the Lakers are in this terrible downward spiral and they look awful, and Rob Polinka calls up and says, hey, let's talk trade, you're thinking, I'm fleecing this guy. He's desperate. That's that's what opposing teams are going to do. They're going to smell blood in the water. It's the NBA. So it's a good point by Andrew that if the Lakers show something here, that might actually make it easier for them to make a trade if they right the ship. Young pups voting clips over Celtics, dumb kids. This win prolongs Ham's firing needs to happen. Okay, so there's there's my point exactly. Mr. Orange said Sean's funny guy. It isn't 11-2 in the Clippers' favor, or isn't it 11-2 in the Clippers' favor? Am I wrong? Is he talking about um, like the last few years? I mean, the, over the course of their 
histories. The Lakers obviously have won more than the, the Clippers have. And then, of course, you look at championships. Clippers have never come close to winning a championship. So there's that. The Clippers had a really nice run against the Lakers post-Orlando, uh, post-2020. But so far this year, the Lakers are 2-0 against the Clippers. All's right in the world in that sense. Um, but there was some time there where the Lakers couldn't beat the Clippers, and it was frustrating. And so it's nice to see the Lakers get get a couple of wins and, um, you know, them drive away the darkness that is Clipperdom for, uh, for a couple of games at least. All right, everybody. Thank you guys for tuning in. We do have Lakers against Raptors tonight. That is at 7.30. We will be live over on Playback, playback.tv slash Lakers Nation, as well as right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. You can join us for our live play-by-play and then come right over to the YouTube channel afterwards for the post-game show. Podcast listeners, thank you guys again for joining the show. Uh, make sure that you are giving us that five-star rating and review. That's a great way to help out the show over on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, everybody. See ya and stay safe. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.